Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I believe there's a rhythm and art in everything that we do. This is my journey about how I went from being a hip hop dancing engineer to a multifamily real estate investor. If you want to learn more about how you can start investing in real estate, stay tuned to learn from multifamily real estate investors and hear how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Welcome back to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. This week, we are bringing back the Brosif, Yosef the Brosif Lee. If you want to hear about his story and his journey on how he got started into multifamily real estate, I hate to say it, you're going to be disappointed because that is not what we're talking about today. Today, you're going to have to, li- if, you, if you want to hear that, you're going to have to listen to last week's episode. But this week, we are talking about actionable steps we can take whether we have zero or little money or a nice chunk of change in our closets sitting around waiting to be invested. So first off, let's say I, well, actually, I didn't even welcome you in. Welcome, welcome, Yosef. <laughs> hey, Kelly, thank you. Thank I was ready you. to just jump into any You're questions. Right there. Guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I want to jump into a syndication, right? Uh, what, what is like the, the very first thing that, that I should even focus on? So um, when, when, you, when we talk about apartment syndication, let's see, uh, I think the first thing you have to do is you have to understand uh, what it is like to be an active multifamily investor, right? A lot of people just have this romance of, oh, you know, I want to do multifamily investing. I want to do real estate investing, but they don't really have like a set goal or anything. Mm-hmm. So first thing first, you got to understand that by being a multifamily investor, you're not just typical like traditional landlord. What I mean by that is you're not managing the day-to-day operation of the property, right? This is, this is why we need to do multifamily. This is, so being a landlord is more of like a single family or duplex landlord mindset. Old, I have nothing against that, right? If you, mm-hmm. if you like hands-on experience, if you're like, if you're a handyman, if you like to deal with the tenants, go for it. If you enjoy that, that's good. But me, it's not me. So this is, is, is a job for a property manager, right? The, the day-to-day activities, day-to-day um, operations. It's property like rent, dealing with toilets. Right, right, exactly. So you hire a property manager who will report back to you. So you are actually acting as an asset manager. So you're managing the property manager. You're not the property manager. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you you got to understand that. So this is a business system. Multifamily investing is a business system. So first thing first, you got to understand that, right? Yeah, it's not all sunshine and daisies. There's like actually work to it. And that's why there's that passive option uh, to say that if you don't want to deal with the headaches of of what an uh, active investor should go for, you can still experience all the benefits of an active investor through a passive investment. Um, right. Okay. So, so got it. So, so okay. I want to, and, and so, so I made the decision, want to be an active investor. What's, what's the next step? Right. So you, you now made a decision. Okay. This is, this is where to go for yourself. All right. Now you got to learn the essential language, multifamily language, right? You got to be able to communicate. So you got to learn the terms to understand the deal. You need to know the terms like uh, net operating income, called the NOI, capitalization rate, cap rate, cash and cash return. Uh, it's marked as COC and mm-hmm. return on investment, ROI, right? Gross potential income, operating expenses, etc. So 
you need to, you must know these terms and how this term, what these terms mean uh, to analyze a deal. So that's the, it's this next step. You got to learn the essential terms. So learning those essential terms now, now once I learn these essential terms, right? I mean, for me, I feel like I learn way more for um, conversation. So uh, through, through conversation, actually talking about it, because I feel like I can only read so much and I'm like, oh, internal rate of return. Other went right out, right, right past my head. But until I start talking about it and hearing more about it, right? So, do you recommend me to just start talking with other people right then and there, just to like practice, but not like professional uh, professionals in the industry, so I don't look like a rookie? Or like, what, what's what's um, what's the question I'm trying to ask? I think the question I'm trying to ask is, uh, do you think it's okay to start? practicing like my lingo terms and start reaching out to other people, other investors? Uh, I, I recommend you study first yourself. Okay. And at least be comfortable talking about it. At least, at least you need to know how it works before talking to others. Let's say, for example, when you call the broker, if you start and when, when he mentions, ah, it's, it's, what is your cash and cash return criteria? And, uh, and then if you say, well, what do you mean by cash and cash returns? <laughs> and it's all good. They think you're tired kickers and they will just hang up on you, right? So you got to know this before talking to brokers or lenders um, so that they could at least take you a little more seriously than, you know, I don't know, maybe really you are. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So, so know my lingo. And then the next step after that. And then you got to set your asset management plan and strategy. I'll call it deal criteria. Like what is your investment criteria, right? Mm -hmm. And what class of property are you looking at? How many units are you going to go after? It's like, you can't, you got to be a little more, a little narrower than just like, oh, I want anything above five units, right? I want, uh, uh, you got to be more than I want anything, right? Mm -hmm. So if I explain my criteria, um, I look at B minus or C plus type of property. Well, uh, in the commercial property, there are A, B, C, D type of property class. A being the most newly built building, like within probably the last 10 years. B class, maybe in late, uh, early 2000, uh, uh, or maybe late 1990-ish. And C it's probably pre 1980 uh, and D somewhere in 19, probably, well, up to 1960, I see, they call C-class properties, but D is more like, uh, I think it more goes to war zones, like where uh, it's like a slum area. Uh, not, where there's not gulags. Gulags, yes, yes. <laughs> that's a color of war zone line. reference. Yeah, right, right. So, my sweet spot is B, B minus, and C area, and uh, with some deferred maintenance where, you know, you go in and you can reposition the property with better management, right? How many units? Um, I like to look at somewhere from, from above 30 to maybe, uh, I used to look at up to like 70 or 80. Now I look at above 100 units. So you got to be able to have that criteria and... Um, are you looking after a value add type of property, right? Reposition, like, are you going to sell it or are you going to refinance after holding a couple of years? 
Um, so you, you got to be able to answer all these questions and then have certain criteria when you talk to the brokers because they're going to ask you. So what are you looking at? Mm-hmm. You, can't, you, you, you don't want to say anything above 10 units, anything above, right? You got you to gotta be able to say, hey, um, I'm looking at in this area um, in the neighborhood of maybe B minus or C type of property, um, unit number somewhere from 30 to like 75 and then I have um, about fifty to seventy thousand dollar per unit as a budget. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at uh, mom and pop owned, um, maybe with a little bit of debt for the maintenance, and I want to reposition and you know add value to it. And then you know later I'm gonna try to refi. So, yeah, okay, got it. With so with with criteria, then it in terms of like finding your criteria, I feel like that there's. Uh, there's, there's sort of a, a sweet spot and also like a risk tolerance for how much you risk you're willing to take. So like when we talk about the, the Gulag D war zone properties, um, there's going to be a lot of risk that could have, have potentially have a lot of upside, but also like a lot of headaches, right? Uh, yes. Whereas the C and B, there's a little bit of both with, you could have the headaches, but having like a nice little stable, um, you know, sem- you know, stabilized property, but not as stabilized as a class A property. And so it, you know, what it sounds like is you're trying to figure out how much risk you're willing, you're willing to take when it comes to that criteria. Cause something else that, that also came into my, my mind too, is, um, you know, let's say I want to look up, or I felt like the, the, the type of the number of units almost uh, felt uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for. Um, just like out of, out of choice, like, ah, uh, you know, I'm going to, I think I'm going to do like 30 to, to 75, <laughs> 75 units. Yeah. Do you understand? So, so where did, where did that number come from? Um, the initial reason why I chose that unit size from 30 to 75 was because I heard, um, uh, above 30 and it's harder for individual investors uh, to close uh-huh. and below 75 a lot of institutional monies are not looking at because it's kind of too small for them mm. so that was the swiss spot where i was able to you know just get in the beginning got it okay got it got it what's the next okay. step well and then and then you need to be able to select the market which state you want to go right um do you want to invest in your backyard or out of state in my in my situation um, I was targeting out of state um, because my backyard, New York City, didn't really make sense to me as far as the number goes, right? Mm-hmm. And if you decide to go to out of state, then where you want to go? Um, I was settling down to, uh, you know, Kansas City, Missouri, um, but I also looked at Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, Georgia, Atlanta, and Florida, Tampa area, um, etc. cetera. And most importantly, why these states? Because you got to be able to uh, look at some metrics, right? You got to be able to see the population growth for the last 10 years, 20 years, job growth, median household income growth, crime rate, you know, like condo value or house value growth, all these metrics. And then um, you got to be able to tell, okay, there was a growth of population, growth of uh, home values, et cetera, low crime rates. This tells me that these states are good, 
right? We don't want the states that population is consistently going down, right? Because we are in, in our apartment business. We want, we want to have a people to live in there. <laughs> so these are the numbers, metrics, and there are free websites out there where you can actually check these data, right? Um, Geomaps or, you know, uh, census. And I also started using a program and it was actually designed by one of Jake and Gino members, Brian, uh, called Nomad. Um, you punch in the address, it will just pull up all the data from census. Programmer um, Mullen. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great guy. So I like to really use smart. the program. So all this, after all this, you should be able to pick handful of states uh, where the numbers make sense. Okay. So I pick these, you know, I, I pick these states, right? Or let's, let's say I, let's, let's just throw in Texas, for example, because I know Texas is blowing up and everybody's yeah. trying to go to Texas. So I, so I pick Texas. What's, what's next? Okay. So now you pick the Texas, there must be a reason, right? Because either you're coming from Texas or you have buddy in the Texas, or you just purely you, you know no one, but you just like the Texas numbers, right? Population growth, median mm-hmm. income is, right. is, is consistently growing. Rent growth is, is solid. Mm-hmm. Um, crime rate and is not as crazy as other places. So yeah, Texas, Texas is, let's, let's just say Texas is my thing. Texas is okay. not my, Texas is so not you, my market, just, but right. just for this example. Okay. So you picked a Texas. Now you got to build a core team here. Um, okay. Again, like I said, you must have a partners, right? Once you select the market, then you have to network there. Be active in an in investors group like biggerpockets.com, Texas real estate investors group, or uh, something like that. Any Facebook groups, like local meetups. Nowadays, everything is virtual. So you can easily attend the virtual meetup out of state in Texas, right? Right. And, you know, I mean, you can do it alone if have all the resources and great amount of great amount of luck, but it's not the case. So you gotta have a good team. And you need to find the partners who have different skill sets, right? If like I said, if you're from the local market, if if you're from Texas, that's why you like Texas, then you gotta find other people that complements you. You're gonna be the deal finder. You're gonna or you're gonna be the local point person. Then you might wanna bring in um, you know someone who can raise the capital you might want to bring in someone who has more experience because the lenders will ask you like who in your team has multifamily investing experience Hmm. as a gp right right they're gonna ask well who in your team can sign the loan and show the balance sheet right so the the key principle so you got to be able to uh gather all these team members um, to and, and the, the all the puzzles to to create the entire picture. Okay. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna challenge this question this this part just a little bit and, and not challenge it in a bad way because this is actually a personal experience because I I actually was looking into uh, San Antonio Texas for example um, mm-hmm. and uh, I was I was starting to network with with some some people but since I was so young. And I didn't have a lot of experience. One of my things was like, oh, you know, I could raise capital, right? But one of the one of the issues that I had though when when raising capital is I, f- I feel like so many people are just trying to raise capital that it's hard to really kind of break into 
um, let's say like, uh, or find like partners that would trust you if you've never done it. Mm-hmm. Right. And same with, you know, finding a deal, like since it's so competitive, I feel like everyone's trying to find a deal. And so what is, what's some advice that, that you would give? Uh, Cause like in, in, like in theory, like it does, it, it does sound, it does sound uh, feasible, uh-huh. you know, like, like I can do this. Uh, but for yeah. me on my end, you know, I could, I could go up to, to you guys and say like, Hey, I could, I could raise 500 K from you. Like you want to give me a little bit of GP. And I feel like that's not going to come off very good to, to you and your mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. So like, what would you recommend for that? So um, my recommendation will be then still keep pounding for finding a deal, hmm. right? Just, just keep networking with the, with the brokers and go into the loop net. I mean, LoopNet, we don't we don't like the deals in LoopNet, but you know we also know that it's way to find the brokers, right? Right. So just find the brokers, keep talking to them. Um, I'm not trying to say bother them, but in a professional way, just don't lose the don't lose the contact. Just just constantly just check them out and see uh, and with with the clear deal criteria, you give it to them and make sure you're you're committed and you're serious and find a deal and uh, bring the deal to the sponsor group. I think that's probably the easiest way uh, in your case. And at the same time, I suggest your young um, work, right? I know the <laughs> whole notion of why we're doing multifamily is not to uh, have active income, but passive income. But until we reach that goal, we gotta have uh, active income uh, producing jobs, right? We, we have to constantly work save and use that saving maybe later on to probably add a little you know down payment to a, to a jv deal you could you could probably use that for your jv deal mm, okay. um so again it could be a very long process that's why that's why i think you should love you should fall in love with the process not the results because it, it might take longer than what you think yeah and, and that's what I'm experiencing now too. Cause actually, you know, it's funny that you bring that up is I am finding, I'm, I'm currently trying to find deals and I'm cold calling for um, some of my local partners over in Minneapolis and uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul. Mm-hmm. And cause, cause that's what I ran into is, mm-hmm. you know, you know, like, yeah, I could raise some money. And then, you know, these people are like, we don't even know anything about you. Mm-hmm. Like, why would we even trust you with, with the GP yeah. seat? Right. So no, that's, that's great advice. That's, that's great yeah. advice. Um, I, I heard a story uh, from someone who it was, it was a newbie, um, but he actually, whenever he passed by some multifamily property, he will just check it out and look into it. And one day bumped into uh, uh, the owner, into the owner. And then they got engaged in the pro- they got engaged in the conversation, and the owner was actually telling him that he's thinking about selling the property, and he was asking like, you know, any and do you know any brokers or anybody who can help him out? And he actually was able to bring that deal to some group of sponsors, and he became a part of the sponsorship. So what what I'm trying to say is, if you think this is a way, stay in the game. You know, no matter what, just stay in the game, get your, get your feet wet and just keep, keep hustling. And, you know, things happen. You're going to probably bump into the owner or you're going to probably uh, meet a broker who 
even though you don't have any deals with them, like might be able to just try to help you out, right? Because because that you you if you have passion that 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 affects people, that that moves people's mind, right? I don't know. It shows. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it it shows when when you're talking about something and and you're really investing your time into something, it shows. It's not like a transactional thing. It's, um, you you know, real real stories. I was I I was cold calling this one guy, uh, who happened to own a bunch of properties over in Minneapolis, and uh, the broker called me the the next day, and I, we didn't actually even talk about the properties. We just started. I just started listening to his life story. Um, just what he was doing and how long he's been there. And so um, I hope I'm on the right track because I'm trying to trying to build this relationship with this broker and, and uh, try and gain a little bit more of a presence while being over here in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think you're doing the right things. And uh, I can tell you're hustling, you're, uh, you're passionate about the real estate and you try really hard to uh, connect with people. I, I see you everywhere. Right. So I think it's a good sign. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Okay. So um, going, going back to, going back to the steps and uh, now, you know, I, I find my market, I'm building my team. What's uh, and, and let's say this, this deal that I, that, that I'm talking that, that, I, that I was talking with, with this broker uh, ends up working out. Right. So. Right. So now you got the deal. Right, you have the the offering memorandum. Maybe if this is off market, you would just just be able to ask the owner uh, through the broker owner uh, what the the T twelve like last twelve months of profit and lost statements, income mm-hmm. statements, and uh, rent rolls. So with these items, you, now it's time for underwriting. Right, either you or one of the members from the group. Uh, must know how to underwrite a deal. So usually people use analyzer. I use uh, analyzer called Synthesis. Uh, it's created by Chris Jackson. Chris Jackson, yeah. It's a great one. Before I used Michael Blank's um, deal analyzer. It was also a great one too. Um, so it's, it simply means you analyze the deal, right? To see if it meets your criteria, the criteria you had before right so you ask for financial documents the ones i mentioned um and you just plug in all the numbers like rental income average income expenses future uh your future rent uh performa uh debt service and all that and you know just see if this property is a good deal or not uh, by looking at the return on investment like the, does cash and cash return meet your criteria and internal rate of return meet your criteria? How long are you planning to hold it? Do you think you can bring this deal to your investors and convince them to invest with you? Right. Is is, is an opportunity. So you've got to be able to answer all that. Hmm. So, underwriting. so underwriting is critical point. Learn how to underwrite. Mm-hmm. Got it. And based, based on actuals. Yeah, based on the actual numbers, a lot of the time the seller will give you the performa, their future number, the the number that they think it will eventually produce. And you know, you tell them no, we want the actual. So that's where the when the pro, pro, uh, purchase price negotiation starts. Our purchase price is based on the actual numbers. Let's say two million, 
you're asking for 2.5. We can't do that because this is it. And, you know, one way or the other, you were able to negotiate. Let's say now finally your two minds meet and it's under contract. It's under contract. And I got it. I'm speaking this into existence. I'm going to get a deal under contract. So, so it's, well, uh, one thing I do want to want to touch on too, uh, just based on what you were saying with underwriting is that I feel like it, there's, it's very nuanced when it comes to, to each market mm-hmm. and so really figuring out that the under how, you know, what the, the rules of thumb are per market differentiates, like the rules of thumb in California can be going to be completely different than the rules of thumb when it comes to like Minneapolis or Kansas city. Yes. Am I, am I on that, the right track? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's okay. when you got to know the market. That's why when you pick the market, yeah, you got to study the market and you gotta, you gotta learn the market as to just like you said, rule of thumbs, like what is the typical um, per unit for C class? Yeah. For price per unit. Not only that, like how much is the, the, the rule of thumb expenses? Like in Kansas City, so C type of property, I look at like per one unit, $3,000 per year as just maintenance, operating expenses, just mm. rule of thumb. Something like that. You got to know that matrix so that you could plug, when you plug in, you got to have at least realistic um, numbers, right? The returns and all that. Got it. Okay. Good to know. Right. That's something that I'm, yes. that I'm working on. So, so we got it under contract. Well, before I, I missed the part, you got you to gotta submit the letter of intent. Oh, right? Letter of intent. Okay. By filing the letter of intent, the seller will entertain. And if they like the numbers and maybe another negotiation of rounds. And then finally, you guys are uh, good on certain price and certain terms. And then both sides are said, okay, then it will be sent to the attorneys so that the attorneys can work on the purchase and sales agreement. Hmm. Then they get the purchase and sales agreement and then it's under, wait, and it, it's already under contract and then we close the deal. Is that right? Uh, yeah, on, once the deal is under contract and you're gonna have to pay earnest money deposit, right? That's usually the, if, if it's, when it comes down to the syndication, it's usually the sponsored group. They have to pay earnest money deposit to lock the deal. So that's why it's really important to have that sponsor on your team because me as a 25-year-old, I don't think I can pay the the RNS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right, right. But but not only that, not only that, even though you can pay, it's the lender who requires um, at least one member to be experienced in multifamily. Mm. Or at least let's say for agency that. Um, you have to, we, in, in our case, and we're for the 60 unit deal, we're, do, we're assuming the agency loan. The agency mm, okay. requires at least one member to be, uh, to have had uh, on other agency loan before this deal. So you got to have some member who was on a, on a loan before with another deal. And that's one way that the agency lender uh, can look at our team and take it as credible, credibility, mm. right? Okay. And they also requested one member to have like a high net worth balance sheet that matches the, the entire loan amount or purchase price. Um, so it's whether or not you have earnest money deposit, it's, it's not the end of the story. You got to have a team that fulfills everyone's taste, lenders, brokers, right? Mm. Otherwise, you're not going to get the loan. Then you can't close. 
So there's a really large emphasis on the team, huge right. emphasis right. on the team. And then, like you said, multifamily is a team sport. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Because let's say everyone has $10 million each, right? And the deal is if you're going to buy cash, then it should, should be fine. But then you're not going to get a high return on investment. Everyone needs to have a loan, right? Right. So just because you have money. But if the lender says, okay, you guys have money, um, but who, who's done the multifamily deal before? Is anyone as a GP on another deal? If no one can say yes to that, and you're not going to get the loan. Then you're not going to get the loan. Yeah. Although you have money, right? So that's why it's a team sports and it's very important. So mm-hmm. after you put this on the contract, you, know, you do due diligence. You got to inspect the property, make sure um, there's nothing hidden or uh, something surprising comes up after the deal was closed, right? So you got to do due diligence um, and you got to do finance due diligence, physical due diligence, due diligence, vet the property and vet all the finance documents, make sure lease audits and done and, and you do this process for usually, I guess, 45 days to 60 days and it's done. And the lender is okay lending your money. Okay, now it's finally close to the closing after all this. And this is for syndication. This is when usually uh, the sponsor group brings a deal to limited partners to raise the capital. Okay, we, um, the due diligence is just done we need to raise this much amount of money. Let's do the deal presentation. Let's reach out to our investors, et cetera. What I've heard is we should be raising capital before we even have the deal, right? Uh, yes, yes. I think okay. what it means is you should be talking to the investors um, I mean, you shouldn't, you wouldn't be able to raise capital when you don't have any deals, right? They're not going to put any money, but I right. think you should, you should constantly talking to your potential investors as to your deal criteria, why you're doing, doing this multifamily. Usually in, uh, in the beginning, the potential investors will be your friends or your family members, right? Um, so just constantly talk to them while you're doing this and your goals and your, your passion and the, that you want to help them out too and why it's beneficial and why they have to invest their heart on the money. Um, and then when the deal actually comes, you can show the deal to them and then uh, convince them about this deal. But if you have no potential investors whatsoever, never spoken to your friends, when the deal comes, you have no one to talk to, right? <laughs> You'd be scrambling like crazy. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess it's it's about the touch. Like you gotta have constant touch with uh, your potential investors, and bef- even before you have the deal. Yeah. Got it. Do you, do you, do you get soft commitments as well? Just as like, um, like hey, I'm willing to put in. Like, like, do you present like a sample deal deck as as well as like a soft commitment? Say like, oh, I'm I'm cool to invest fifty thousand if a deal comes up. Like, is there a document that that people usually give? Mm-hmm. I I think it's a it's a one way okay. um, to just have have constant touch with your potential investors, and maybe you could just show them just 
to get them interested. Like this is the type of deal that I want to do. This is old one, um, but I'm looking for a deal like this. And once it yeah. comes, it's gonna be similar to this one. So uh, this is a return. This I'm is, filming a podcast uh, right now. I'm so sorry, mom. <laughs> hey, mom. <laughs> <laughs> she's trying to give me my snowboard pants <laughs> uh, i'll keep this in here it's cool <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. go ahead go ahead sorry i didn't mean to to cut you off <laughs> no 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 it's okay so yeah that's i think it's one 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 way of engaging your potential investors okay for the actual deal got it so i raised this money it's all looking good numbers make yeah. sense and i guess close close <laughs> And then you actually have to manage the, <laughs> the asset. Right, right. That's that's a whole other episode. We could we could talk about that right, right. now because we are way over. Uh, but I appreciate you, Joseph, for for staying staying over and and really just answering all my questions. Yeah, it's um, all right. It's only eleven fifty here. Oh, it's oh jeez, <laughs> oh, only eleven fifty. Just ten minutes till midnight. As I'm yeah. keeping you up. <laughs> oh, you you know what? Since I'm W two. Uh, myself right in the daytime i don't really have that much time to do multifamily so usually and my uh one of my partners from california so usual meeting time is late like i could do 11 i could have do 12 i had a, i had a meeting that usually went over to the 12 o'clock and so it, i have no objection to that that's that's my work what time do you wake up um, usually six thirty or seven. Hmm. Wow. That's it's it's my habit. Like I don't I don't get that much sleep. That's bad habit I have. I developed throughout <laughs> my law school because I worked full time and went to school at night. So that's how I I have started forming that bad habit because I had to cut down my sleep hours to catch up with the studies. Same thing happens here too for multifamily. So you're already you're already accustomed to the six and a half to seven seven hour sleep schedule. Yeah, like four four five. That used to be my sleep hour. Four five. Four five. Yeah. Wow. That is a and you know what's crazy that there's not even like any single wrinkle or bags in your eyes. I have no idea how you do it. So. Whatever law school did and, you know, your facial routine too. I'm definitely going to have to get that from you. <laughs> I am not trying to have wrinkles. <laughs> and now, <laughs> completely unrelated to, to multifamily. But again, Yosef, thank you for walking me through these steps, answering my questions. Um, I, I, I appreciate it. And, you know, my audience is definitely going to appreciate these questions because I'm sure they've all had these questions as well. I don't, I don't think I asked the the question that nobody else asked but anyways if again if where can people reach you if they want to get in contact with you um i have a linkedin facebook and instagram accounts where you can just type in yosef your brosef y-o-s-e-f your y-o-u-r brosef b-r-o-s-e-f that's a nickname i was given by my mentors everybody calls me brosef so you punch in I'll pop up. You can connect, send me a friend request, whatever. I love to be connected with like-minded people. I have a website, syndico.com, www.synd.com. Uh, <laughs> <Man. laughs> yeah, I'll put it in the show notes as well. 
I'll put it in the show yeah, notes as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Yosef. And thank you everyone for listening and we'll, we'll see you on the next one. All right. Thank you very much, Taylor, for having me here. It's fun. Thanks for listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. If you got any value out of this episode, I'd greatly appreciate if you head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review the show, which will help more people receive that same value. If you're looking to connect and talk more about multifamily real estate, you can reach me at inrhythmmultifamily.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.